0: Real tipper and board on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Mine was good. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> How many golf holes did you play this weekend? 45. <laughs> no, you didn't. I played 18 on Saturday. Oh. And then I played 18 on Sunday. And I said, okay, this could be the last really nice day here in southern ontario and uh today seems like an equally one but i gotta work wow and i couldn't play today Big so i I treated yesterday as if it was my last good golf day i was stuck teaching my son to ride a bike
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh god how
0: mundane is that (laughs) so uh, plenty to get into including the Leafs John Tavares two goals the Vancouver Canucks guys is a national story right now we saw after hours with Jimmy Rutherford and Scott Oak and uh John Garrett and I want to get your thoughts on that and how he came across and where the answers there so we got we got a ton to get into but I did play 18 holes uh with some friends Mm Mm-hmm. And then I I played another nine, on my own, yeah. And I think it was the fourth hole. I hit a six iron about uh, one ninety mm-hmm. that rattled the stick, oh, and dropped within like a centimeter of the hole. And I'm going <laughs> no, like, there to see it. <laughs> I'm like, thank God it didn't go in because I don't think I would tell anybody. It is the great
1: debate. If you get an ace by yourself, like, how much is it devalued? So. I'm lucky enough to play at
2: non-private courses in Toronto, yeah. and you'd never play alone ever. So.
1: <laughs> this is you'd, never going to be an issue I for you. I would
2: literally never have that problem, but that thought does cross my mind. If you're playing alone, which is nice. Playing alone is very nice. It's very peaceful. Maybe you can even listen to some music if you want. Yeah. And Borny wouldn't get pissed I'll off I'll allow at that if you're solo, yeah. But I just, I think it's a scary thought, and Kipper almost had it.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then I discovered... Uh, Around 6.30 when it was getting dark. I I played my best golf in the dark. (laughs) Just close (laughs) your eyes next time. It'll be fine. All right. Here we go. Season 2, episode 14. Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick, Sammy McKee, my trusted partner, Justin Bourne. What did we make out of the weekend? We'll start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. A 4-1 win, as I said earlier, uh, off of two goals by John Tavares. He seems Mm -hmm. to be going well. And uh, the trend... Seems to be moving in the right direction for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Vancouver, as we stated earlier, <laughs> going Not in the wrong watch. direction. And by the way, um, in the second hour, we're going to have uh, Jason Bruff, co-host of Halford and Bruff in Vancouver. He's going to come on and maybe we can dissect a little bit of of what's happening in Vancouver. Yeah. Luke Gazdick, of course, uh, now doing some analyst work with Sportsnet. He's going to bring his 140 NHL game experience to uh, our show in about uh, forty minutes, so we got a great lineup. Stick around wherever you're watching or listening: YouTube channel, Sportsnet Now, podcast, iTunes, Spotify. We're glad you're aboard.
1: Yeah. So the Leafs get a win, Kipper. Um, you know, there's all that drama last week. You know, the the big debate over the coach said this, and players think that they get a couple of wins. Suddenly they're four and two, kind of where you thought they would be. What'd you think?
0: Well, I think that. Uh, Certainly, uh, guys are starting to feel better. And although Austin Matthews didn't score, mm-hmm. uh, seems to be a little bit more engaged mm-hmm. and probably had his best game of the, the season. I'm not worried about him. If I think, you know, we mentioned uh, last week that Marner didn't get off to a great start. Well, if you, if you really go back to to Matthews' numbers to start last season... They weren't all that great either, and he somehow found a way to score sixty goals so the same
1: one goal in six games last year ended
0: up with sixty and seventy three not 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 a huge concern no the uh, the one thing that has been noticeable for the Toronto Maple Leafs up until this point, and it's uh it'll lead our conversation, but that was uh not only Wayne Simmons as we had talked about him on Friday, mm-hmm. but the addition of uh Kyle Clifford as well yeah and was it just enough? Was it too much? What did we make out of them? I want to start off by saying that at some point during the summer or at the end of getting knocked out in the first round, that if if you would have told me that there was a very good chance in game six, the fourth line would have Kyle Clifford on it and Wayne Simmons still on it. Mm-hmm. I think you would have looked at me like I had two heads. Not to mention that this isn't due to
1: injury. It's not like Zach Aston Reese is hurt or Abe Kubel is hurt. This is just a choice the team made because as Sam called it, the Jets have become one of their best rivalry. You think it's their actual best rival right now, don't you? I do. Don't you? Like what other what other game do they play
2: that has close to that amount of animosity and greasiness and you know scraps here and there? It never happens against any other team. Not even against the Habs really. Sends all their natural yeah. rivals. I think the Jets are their number one true rival and they only play them twice a year.
0: Interesting that, you know, he only speaks of it because of the chippiness and mm-hmm. the, the ability to run people and challenge. It's like that's that's what makes the Leafs more alive than we see at other times. Right. They play play their most inspired games against the Jets. Well,
1: but this brings an interesting point about the whole inspired thing. And we've said earlier this season.
0: Do do we need about a dozen more games against a team like Winnipeg because it draws emotion out of them that they can't draw from any other team? Well, they're just like that game last year. I remember that after when, you know, when Jason Spetson did his uh, the
2: flying knee trapeze into whoever's brain that was. Yeah, and someone
1: fought uh, Simmons, fought Logan Stanley
2: and and all that stuff. We came in here saying that Fired we felt up. better about the Leafs than we ever had. Yeah. Remember? I think it was that they could do that if they had to. They play, I think they played on the second night of a back-to-back after oh, they playing beat the against the Wild, and they we played, came in yeah. here just
0: like, "Oh my gushing. god!" Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I just, to me, I wish that they could have these type of performances where they look <laughs> pissed off and they're rising to the occasion. We talk about Morgan Riley getting the flippers off for defending one of his players. There just seems to be a different level of emotion when they play teams they hate, and maybe they just don't hate people enough.
1: Doesn't this confirm a lot of what we felt about the Leafs, though? Like, the, earlier in the season, we talked about when they're playing Montreal and Arizona and they don't get up for these games, that this is a reflection of who the Leafs are. You know, I bet on the Leafs as heavy favorites against the Jets and took some heat from Bunkus and Blake Murphy, like, you know, betting on the Leafs as favorites, but that was a try game to me. That was a game where this team was going to get up, tough environment. It's where you get the best of the Leafs, which seems to be the trend. Try games.
0: All right, let's go to our first uh, Kippers Clipper here with Sheldon Keith and his um, his thoughts on Simmons and and Kyle Clifford. How about that, Derek?
3: Yeah, I mean those guys they had fresh legs, obviously, lots of energy. They're very motivated coming in here. You know, that's that's part of the reason why you change change the group up a little bit. We're coming out on the road and we're just trying to continue to to build uh, our team and and get some traction on the season. And those are those are two, you know. Two important people for us in our organization. We're, you know, for me, I was, you know, sort of had my fingers crossed that both were going to get through waivers. You know, selfishly for me, they to you know, give us additional depth and give us the ability to change the look of our lineup at any time when we choose. Now that we have the cap space, so um, those guys are still important to us. You know, and, and uh, it was good to see them come in today and contribute.
0: Okay, you, you know we love Sheldon and his clips. Love him. But you can't really s- push smoke up our butts. <laughs> you can't. and'm I'm, I'm sorry, Sheldon, Fresh legs, you're calling for fresh legs in game six <laughs> of the start of the season. really? And
1: fresh the guy, legs? Yeah, and the guys who came out
0: are guys who
1: hadn't <laughs> been there, like guys who
3: should be motivated. those are those are two you know two important people for us in our organization. Oh Ooh.
0: my gosh. What's he going to call for in like game 49, Fresh six. <laughs> if you need fresh legs in game six. It is
1: interesting though, the tone of how we're discussing Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford today. And I don't know about you, but doesn't it feel like if you're rooting for the Leafs, so Sam, you can maybe better answer, but it's nice to have those two guys in your back pocket. Like you don't want them every day. You don't feel like they're going to be in, in the playoffs necessarily, but nice players to have as your 13th and 14th forwards. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, very much so, and I thought
2: that they were ten times more noticeable than the other fourth line had been. I saw somewhere about the zone starts. I'm just looking up the stats right now. Apparently, you know, Kubel and Aston Reese have had twelve percent of their zone starts in the Ozone in def- yeah. in the defensive or in the Ozone, yeah. and on Saturday night. S- Simmons and uh, Clifford had 100% of their zone starts in the offensive zone. Yeah, they're protected a lot more than those other guys. So it's a different it's a different thing, but just having some muscle, and if you're going to be playing them that much, to me, it's a nice security blanket to have that. I like having heavies.
0: I like old-school
2: hockey. I like having that ability to do that, and it looked, looked good to me.
0: All right, let's go to Wayne Simmons on getting into the lineup.
3: Yeah, it was awesome. Um You know, I think the last, you know, two, three weeks have been long, a long haul for me. But, um, you know, I think it's, you know, just staying patient, willing to do whatever it takes to help the guys out. And, um, you know, I'm here for the boys and, you know, I'll always be here for these guys. So, you know, I love these guys.
0: The only thing that I kind of questioned, and I've done this for a while, is just the constant waffling of what you really want out of a fourth line. And it's great that you can think you can have Wayne Simmons, um, you know, within an arm's length, but under cap implications. Uh, I don't think that you can just carry him as a spare part. No. All season long.
1: Well, he'd like to. On your roster. I mean, if you listen to some of his quotes, Kipper, it sure sounds like he'd be okay being a spare part.
0: Well, if, if that's the case and it, and it can work out from a cap perspective then maybe that's the case. Uh I was I was kind of surprised to see them go to Clifford as well. I'm not sure Clifford Clifford was absolutely needed Saturday night. And um you no know, the one thing that I think especially with Clifford is just to to now play that role and not put your team in a vulnerable position like taking penalties. Mm-hmm has been a challenge for him the last little while, and I would a uh, Tough spot to I, be in. I, I mean, I've played that role. I, you have to be on your best behavior, and I know, Sammy... Well, also being on your worst behavior. Isn't that the tough... That, that line. Yeah. Correct. And if you're going to go to the penalty box, you better make sure someone else is coming with you. Or at least make it count. So I know your first instinct, Sammy, Saturday night was... A soft call on Wayne Simmons.
2: Oh, so soft. He was skating by
0: him. He, he was skating by him, but he purposely went into what is still deemed one of Winnipeg's best players. And if that is a fourth liner, maybe he gets away with it, but not Mark Shifley. You can't put yourself in that position to uh, make... The referee have a hard decision yeah. on that. And as as soft as you think it was, Sammy, it was unnecessary for Wayne to go there. And it, it could have been a costly penalty.
1: You know, when I zoom out and look at these guys being put in the lineup, is this not what you have kind of been saying about the Leafs that, I think Colby called it having personality in the lineup. Like you made it, they made a statement to the Jets going into yes. Winnipeg before the game starts yes. that we're, we're not going to be just run over it's,
0: tonight. And it's just not a statement to the Jets, it's a statement to like 19 other guys. It's almost as if you are are putting them on high alert that that we're gonna do something about it, and it, it actually helps the team kind of galvanize. Mm-hmm. It helps a guy like Morgan Riley be on a ha, have his have his wick a little shorter than usual. Yep. So when he did go after Morrissey, there was no hesitation. Just the mere fact that he knows that the management team changed the lineup for they this specific want to see reason roll over tonight. was the reason why Morgan didn't have to think once or twice about going after Morrissey. And I, I get it in today's day and age, people want to say that, uh, do we have to have an altercation or a fight, you know, after these type of hits. And it's like, yes, you do. And that's only you do. If, if, if the team or Morgan choose to, mm-hmm. and, not all body checks are equal. They're not. There's ones that separate you from the puck. And there's other ones where I think you're taking advantage of my player in a vulnerable position. And that's a hit not to separate you from the puck. That's a hit to hurt my teammate. Yeah. And that's Legal why or not, I that, didn't like it. That's why I get to go after you Yeah, because you try to hurt him. That's a, that's a, that's a, it's a career-altering hit, mm-hmm. and I don't like it. Therefore, I'm coming after you. Try to explain that to non-hockey people who who tell who keep saying that. Uh, you know, I hate that. Has to be you, a fight a, after
1: every big a, hit, a, or
0: a body check, a clean body check. You have to go after a guy. You don't it's have like, to. I get to decide that, right. not you from your couch.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and my first instinct watching that, and when yeah. it happened, it's a flashpoint moment in the game. I was, I thought it looked. First blush, it looked like it was shoulder to head to me when I was watching it on TV. And I said, Oh, someone's gotta get him. And before I could even really get that out of my mouth, Morgan Riley's got the gloves off and he's going after him. And I thought it there's like it's all about a read for the game. And I thought in yeah. that moment it was the appropriate response to what was and a borderline like, hit.
1: And like you, Riley saw it once quickly yeah. too. And so if it was to the head or it was cheap or whatever, you want to err on the side of sticking up for your guys, which incidentally is why I thought that who was it that, not, that hit Giordano the game before late? They got a penalty mm. the game before. Remember, he got yeah, ran into the Dallas. boards, whoever it was. But I was like, you I know, think just it was Glenn Denning that ran. That's him. right. And like Justin Hall yeah. went up to him and pet him on the head after
0: like, you know, like legit. Yeah.
1: No one even looked at the guy and went, hey, don't. And, and I, I would like to err on the side of sticking up for your
0: buddy. At the end of the day, Gio toe-picked.
1: Oh, hey, yeah, sure. He blew a shoe. But you
0: still, you, you, But <laughs> you still like agree that topic. his teammates
1: should have been like, hey, you put our guy in a bad oh, spot there.
0: 100%. You know, so 100%. But it's not, I don't know. Like, we can look down that lineup of the Leafs and we can just check off names like, yes, no. Who, would, who wouldn't? Yes. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Who would? And yes. And I'm, I'm no, not like no, this big no. fighting
1: monster. But I know when you go to play a team that always sticks up for one another, you're like, uh ah, You know, it's one of those nights where everything, even if I do something by accident, they're going to perceive it as a slight against their team. And I got to, so I got to be careful just because I know it's going to be one of those nights where they got each other's back. So good to see the Leafs play like that last uh, on Saturday.
0: And the other thing too, is it's not just getting Wayne Simmons or Kyle, Kyle Clifford in because it's Winnipeg. It's much in the last four games. Yeah. A guy's taking healthy someone runs. Someone has some soul. And say what you will. Even with Simmons and Clifford in the lineup, I didn't like uh, Dylan driving Mitch Marner's face into the boards. Sorry, but did you see his face?
2: Yeah. And Keith talked about it. Like he's they asked him he like Hey, did you see the hit?" And he said, "No, I didn't see the hit, but then I saw his face. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's like, yeah, oh my god, what happened?' Kind he hit the and I boards.
0: He did. And yeah. he he. So where's Where's someone to go talk to Dylan still? I'm not talking to Dylan. That guy's a monster. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why like, you're a, here on, with saying, me on I'm this show. i there's a couple
1: guys on the team who probably feel like I did and went, I don't know, don't like, we have Clifford in?
0: I would have, Here, like, you're a betting guy. I'm, like, Would you not have bet for sure that Simmons was going to drop his gloves mm-hmm. on Saturday night? I thought for
1: sure. I think I said as much on the show. I was. I think I all but guaranteed it. Um, Meanwhile, he sets up don't get me the not winner still, on a between-the-legs pass.
0: I still liked him. Um, I still like them in the lineup. Yeah. But I just think at some point, you got to start, just get the right guy. And somebody needed to address.
2: To me, after that happened, sitting on the couch, I was like, so next shift, they came over the boards, uh, and I was expecting gloves to be off, right? Like When you see Mitch get buried like that, you see him bloodied on the bench, you expect the next shift, and it never happened, which... I don't know, the game had a rough feel, but there no one actually was standing there punching each other. I guess Morrissey and Riley, but it wasn't much of a fight. So, I don't know. Yeah, there was, was the post-Sandine
1: hit skirmish, bunting, flailing around, that whole thing. But, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the Leafs look like Maybe the best they've looked all season. They get a win in Winnipeg. The Jets look awful. Am I alone in that? The Jets look kind of crummy.
0: Well, let's let's go to Sheldon okay. Keefe and his assessment of the game, and then we'll follow it up with uh, our overall thoughts. Okay.
3: Just really like, you know, we score a big goal in the second period to go up 2-1, you know, and I uh, think a will hairy there for a bit. You know, I loved how we responded and dealt with that, especially with, you know, we come out of one of those incidents with a power play. And when you get a power play in that moment and with the temperature of the game rising, you, you want your best people to make good on it. And, and they did a great job, you know, give us the two goal lead going to third period. The first time we've been in that situation, you know, through uh, the early going of the season here, you know, it wasn't perfect through the third period, but a combination of our guys playing hard and defending the net well and Samsonov being real strong for us. It's a good, good road win to start this trip.
0: You know, You want to start with Tavares or Samsonov or like overall Tavares, there's some good positives. And one of them is that uh, Tavares uh, seems to have a lot more energy or a different look. You want to say he's quicker, Mm -hmm. whatever the case is. I think he's done a terrific job, especially with uh, 34 not finding the back of the net. Yeah. That's one of the, he
1: actually made a change this off season. Apparently he had been with Don Braid skating coach for like 14 years, switched it up to one of the Leafs guys worked on getting lighter on his feet uh, in his stride and does seem to be more efficient getting around out there. And maybe it's early to jump the gun. But if you look at his uh, underlying numbers, his like, not just his points, but his shot attempts, his chances created, his defensive play, like he's up, 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 up pretty much across the board. So uh, whatever he did this off season has made a significant difference. And all of a sudden it takes them from a a team that's like, okay, Matthews Marner, Bunting, let's go, to a team that can win when those guys are just okay. Even though they're pretty good, you know, having Tavares playing like he's playing makes them still a dangerous team, even without those guys firing.
0: The good news is also, the power play goes two for three. Mm -hmm. Really, the difference maker, I think, in the hockey game. Yeah. Um, And... Samsonov is Samsonov, Samsonov. You know what? I think we're done with fancy
1: pronouncing it fancy. We're just going to do Samsonov,
2: Samsonov. It's Samsonov. Samsonov. Yeah. I right.
1: forget one of the broadcasts.
2: Maybe it was Cuthbert talking about it. He said that he wanted it. He, he did one of the things where they change.
1: Yeah, he wants Samsonov
2: so, now. It was no Samsonov, more Samsonov. And okay. then now he wants it Samsonov. Dodonov. Samsonov. Jimmy
1: Garcia.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, is doing what goaltenders now in the NHL are expected to do and just make the saves you're supposed to make. Yeah.
1: What's really great is when he, because of his size and his ability to play good position, the start of the third period, there's a couple of shots where he couldn't quite see it, but he gets a piece because he's big and he's in the right spot. I mean, yeah, he's done what they wanted him to do. Easy to be excited about that as a Leafs fan. I know, Sam, you got some heat after the game because you said you can see the other side of it. Listen, I'm happy
2: that he's playing well, but having this hot start stats jammed down my throat every five minutes is not necessarily making me feel great about it. I mean, what has he done at the start of every year?
0: Yeah. Carry a very nice hot. record.
2: He's hot. He starts hot every year. And then we know what the other side of it is to me. He's been good. He's made the saves he needs to make. Like you said, he's been good enough, but I can just kind of see the warning signs to me. Don't
1: I, you know what I'm saying? Or am I way off here? No, I do know what you're saying I've seen enough pucks go through Sam Samsonov in the early going. Um, I could see it, but no, he's been awesome. By the way, he's the second goaltender in history to begin his Maple Leafs career at four zero and zero. The other, Frank McCool, which may or not may or may not be a real name. It's an uh, unbelievable st- handle. Started six zero and zero in forty forty four forty five.
0: You think Frank gave himself his last name? Frank
1: McCool. His <laughs> last name was some totally different. He was like, a, "I'm Frank." A,
0: uh, um am or <laughs> you know. McCool Acopolis or uh, and I shrunk I'm, it to McCool. We're uh, like, what do you? We're like, I'm Frank McCool. <laughs> what are you, I smoke what are you cigarettes and about Frank? <laughs> That's an awesome name. That is the best. <laughs> Old Last Frankie name McCool maybe over here in the history of hockey. <laughs> that was actually
2: my nickname in high school, Frank
1: <laughs> Frankie McCool. McCool.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, the name So he got a cigarette? chance to,
0: to go after McCool's record here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, cool.
0: I, I'm sure he's a real person with family that
1: probably listens or something. But anyway. what we love the last name. Yeah, he just sounds like a made-up person. Um, <laughs> all right, yes, he'll catch up to old Frankie. McCool. Okay, so, so let's hear Keith on Tavares before we all right, switch we'll go to full. On, yeah, for all right. sure. Keith on.
3: I was going to say that, you know that he has said uh, you know, it, it, this off season was really good for him. And he was healthy all through it. That he could really push and really challenge and look to add to his game and and improve his game. You know, and then of course he had the setback in camp that, you know, stalled him a little bit, um, didn't get the, the same momentum going into the season that others might have had and doesn't seem to have affected him. If anything, maybe that time off is giving him a little more, a little more juice. Um, yeah, he, he looks really good, you know, two, two very important goals for us here tonight. Um, but more importantly than that, I think he's just been, he's been really good in each game. He's, you know, five on five. he's. He's been really good. His line, you know, uh, whether it was Malgan there, Robertson now, the line's been pretty consistently good for us.
0: Okay, and Sam, I think you touched on this, or maybe you too, JB. That it, there's no question that this is the best feeling Leaf Nation would have out of the six games
1: mm-hmm. after this game. Yeah, no
0: doubt. Here comes the butt. Yep. I'm watching Van. Or I'm watching uh, Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and I'm going that that team that team needs to blow up they do Agreed. it's over
1: you know why cuz they're going to finish 22nd they this had, year or something not they, bad enough to be
0: you, you you came out with a 4-1 victory on a team that is completely playing for themselves individually interesting observation and i would think the leader of the pack and no surprise is is Blake Wheeler oh Yeah, I'm watching him, and I I don't. I know he's getting older, and I know there's still a a couple more years on a on a contract. This is next at eight
1: point two five.
0: But the whole thing of being stripped of your captaincy and not even having a letter after that, and what he must feel coming to the rink every day. This guy cannot wait to get out. If he can get out, if he can't, like what's it feel like every day? Because I saw it Saturday night. I saw it, uh, I saw eighteen guys skating around with no purpose, hmm. and it's good that the Leafs took advantage of a team that I believe is vulnerable right now. They
1: handle more turnovers than but, any other team so far. But this year. I,
0: I'm not sure it's a, a, a real strong indication that the uh, that everything seems to be now clear sailing now for the Leafs to start really kicking it in high gear. I believe that tonight will give us a much better indication is mm-hmm. if. Some of the bad habits that they had earlier in the season have now uh, are in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. But tonight will be a much better, bigger, harder test than anything Winnipeg gave you Saturday.
1: Which is funny because Winnipeg has tons of talented players and at times can look very, very good. What do you make of Wheeler not even having a letter? Uh, like, this, that that seems like the ultimate, like, you're not going to be the captain anymore, but, you know, you're, yeah. you're still a part of the leadership group. Here's an A. We're going to, you know. Uh, I know. No,
0: I, I, it, it would be very, very difficult right now uh, to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets and, and walking into a room with a guy like that who's had so much clout. Mm-hmm. Like, he was it. In the Paul Maurice era, he was it. Yeah. He ran the show in there and now he's been stripped of that and And
1: like bonus had COVID and was gone and didn't get a chance to be behind the bench. He's been behind the bench for what one game so far. Like I expect to see a bounce back from this team. Like there's too much talent there for them not to put it together a
0: bit, but it just wasn't that long ago too. not only uh, from the animosity that uh, the Leafs and in the Leafs, uh, the Leafs and, winnipeg have had there was also that small window where it was liney versus matthews Mm -hmm. and they would go toe to toe on some nights dueling hat trick games dueling hat tricks every time they were on the ice people were on the edge of their seat it was (laughs) it was it was great tv it was
2: i broke the night that the night that he scored the hat trick to win it in overtime. I actually Man. broke my remote that night. <laughs> I can I can because that was the rookie year. Both the rookie years, I came home from watching the leave or the Jays lose in the ALCS to Cleveland to oh. ke- and they were up four nothing. It was a later game, I got home, they're up four nothing. They blew the lead, and Line A scored the overtime winner. I actually broke my remote. I was so pissed off. And Ali was like, I want to marry that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, wow, you're a younger then. I had more passion than, a, at least, I loved harder than I guess. And, <laughs> and
0: you know, <laughs> and then everybody in the country, including. You know, Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada were like, Oh, we'll take another ten years of this.
1: SportsNet I was like, damn it.
2: Line in. And Remember then, them chanting? And the then you know a, a big Mine reason
0: A big reason why we, the, a big reason why Blake Wheeler and the Canucks or and the Jets, sorry, are are in this mess today is because of the way the whole Patrick Liney thing went down. Uh, it's all connected? It's all connected. It's absolutely all connected. Mm-hmm. That for whatever reason, he was just never truly accepted as just being one of those guys that isn't like everybody else. Like
1: God forbid you be different in hockey, hey? Well,
0: okay, Patrick Liney was never a guy to go out after practice and have a liquid lunch with some of the boys. Yeah, God forbid. You are going to find Patrick Liney. In his hotel room, playing video games. He's That's where you're gonna find him.
1: Virtual reality rave, and I don't know. <laughs> <Virtual> <laughs> and I don't know what he does.
0: What needed to happen from the veteran group, including Blake, it
1: was them do nothing and just let him play hockey. Put him
0: in bubble wrap, uh, in yeah. his room. Tell everyone we and love just, him. Uh, just don't hurt yourself and. Be their next game.
1: Take him out of the box for the next hockey and, and game. Keep scoring on the ice. And
0: Keep and just do your thing.
1: Yeah,
0: and just do your thing. But it just never ever uh, got to the point where he was comfortable and happy. And you know, to to give Blake maybe uh and, and others in that leadership group a little bit of a, a benefit of the doubt too is that you know there were times when Patrick's game wasn't strong enough. Sure to. To maybe cheat on occasion, and yeah. we've all seen it. Well, he's a rookie, and he's uh, is. And self worth is based on goals, and that was kind of tough. I think to to watch that if if a guy start thinks if a guy that young starts thinking that he's got preferential treatment because he shoots the puck so well to cheat to blow the zone, then that might be able uh, that that might be something that could grade on others. Mm-hmm. But it is just uh, it was really unfortunate that uh, it kind of played out this way.
1: It is, you know, and you wonder about then if if it's not. He also
2: scored 138 goals in his first four seasons at Winnipeg. Yeah.
0: Like I said, bubble wrap him and just get him to the rink. Yes. uh, 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 On game nights. That's it. That's all really they should have done with him.
1: So then what now for the Jets, where they're at with Wheeler, with Shifley, with Ehlers, with Connors? I just mentioned a ton of good players. Didn't didn't Shifley ask for a trade, or there was a trade conversation
2: about him this offseason? There was something that I remember. Maybe I'm crazy, but I remember there being a a conversation
1: around him being traded. I vaguely remember something of that sort. What's his contract look like? I think he has one more year with Wheeler. Are they not
0: in the same No, I think they might have more. I think they're two minimum two i know blake wheeler's minimum two
1: no he's this and next for wheeler
0: okay i, I included this yeah here.
1: and uh shifley Same. is this and next yeah.
0: at 6.1 oh, he's you- owed yeah. money huh he's owed back pay i think in the next uh 12 to 18 months you won't even recognize this roster
1: which is so tough to do that because wheeler's got a no trade no move shifley wow, a
0: wheeler's modified no wheeler's trade. wheeler's ready to go anywhere you think he would oh come on
1: wouldn't you want him right now? He's thirty six. Is he oh, oh. <laughs> uh,
0: Not not from what I saw Saturday night. No, I had like, hey, can you show me better, please? Yeah,
1: I know. I, I know you didn't love the Shifley play on uh, on the camp goal, the, just overskating the play there. The thing that blew me away was just how many times they turned the puck over. Yeah,
2: it just felt like it felt like that was the most chances the Leafs had in any game, and a lot of it had to do was with, with how many times the Jets just gave them the puck. So.
1: It's not good. Because they do have they this kind of so like close. next wave of talent, right? Like if they built around, whether it be, well, I don't know, Dubois says he's not going to stick around. So I don't know what you do with him. But, you know, it's Connor and they got uh, Perfetti that they like. They got some some guys. Eh, I don't know.
2: They were so close too. They lost to Marc Andre Fleury that, that year when they lost. I think they lost to the Caps in the final, right? When they, that first year when then, was that right? I can't keep all track of all well, those guys. I mean,
1: during the year, they, no, they beat were, the Oilers and yeah.
2: the, the, Coming so, out of the bubble,
1: they no, went to the conference final.
2: Yeah, but they went to the conference final when it was, wasn't was bubble hockey, too. Like, they had some chances. They yes. they, they were really knocking on the door. Like, yeah. they were a true contender. Now yeah. it's all done.
0: Toronto Maple Leafs will see Vegas, who come in maybe as advertised. A pretty big, strong, physical team. McNabb on the back end likes to hit. Mm-hmm. Hey, this, what kind of challenge is this for the Leafs tonight?
1: Well, th- this Vegas team, you know, actually has, well, for me, it's, it's one of the best D-cores in the NHL. They're coming in here with Martinez and Petrangelo, McNabb and Theodore, Hag and Whitecloud is one of the best third D-pairs, I think. Really, really good. So And big. And big, physical. So, you know, can they score enough goals, Vegas? Well, oh, Jack Eichel's looking pretty good. Mark Stone, Riley Smith, Carlson, Marches. So they got
0: players. Phil Kessel. Phil Castle's on Vegas. We'll talk a little Phil and uh a record tying night uh a little later on in the show, but uh as far as Vegas is concerned, mm-hmm. they're they're in that must win now mode. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think they can. I think they can.
1: This is this is a fun test for the Leafs. You know, they're out on the road and we've said this before about teams bonding on early road trips you like this, right? Like early in the season getting out on a trip
0: like this. When you when you factor in what the Leafs just went through at yeah. home, yeah, I, I I believe they're they're like pigs in mud right now. Oh man, they're, they they're got
1: thrilled. They're in Vegas, yeah. They're through Winnipeg now. They get to go to Vegas, then San Jose, Anaheim, LA. I yeah, think that sounds great. Sounds lovely. Good. Over
2: under uh, three and a half picks of Willie. No shirt near the beach. Yeah,
1: Instagram post
2: from oh, golf course yeah. about yeah. to go through. Yeah. The I, got,
0: I got a piece of advice for Willie. If they uh, don't win tonight, uh, keep the shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> the exact same videos, just shirt on. Just make sure you come out with a W tonight. Some, what would you – go ahead. I was just going to ask – go ahead if you want to say it. It's just something I was going to ask
2: about Nick Robertson that we were going to talk about before the show that oh, we yeah. didn't get to here. Okay, well then just
0: let's talk about uh, the lineup tonight against uh, – a. Of Vegas. Mm-hmm. Leave as is. Engvall out. Engvall's back in, apparently, tonight. Okay. And
2: then Zach Aston reese coming out, and it's the same guys on the, on the... That was
1: speculated yesterday. So, that's what we're looking
2: at. Yeah, and
0: I'm, I got no problem with Aston reese coming out. Mm-hmm.
1: He hasn't impressed, eh? No, I talked to some me. people about Abe not Kubel. This is like a, a trend for him, that it's like a consistency thing. He can skate, he can forecheck, he can hit, he can do all that when he's on. And then he just won't for a while. Like, it sounds like two years ago, he was one of the best players on the Flyers in terms of getting in after pucks, and then he wasn't, and they didn't want him. Put him on waivers. Colorado claimed him. By the way, when they did, Colorado was 22nd in terms of waiver claims, which means 20 other teams saw him and said, 21, said, nah, I'm good. So it's not like the Avalanche loved this guy. Well, they liked him more than other teams, but they needed some depth help. The point is, this consistency problem has been a thing. I don't know if he's going to have an easy time getting back in here, Kepper. You know, Aston Reese comes back in before him. I assume.
0: Uh, why?
1: <laughs> you don't like Aston Reese, hey? Eh?
0: I've seen nothing. I know. I've seen, uh, and the worst is just for me a, a lack of emotion. If you're if you're borderline on the depth chart anywhere between nine and twelve, yeah, you, you got to bring some passion, some emotion, and it's just it was just. Too dry for me off off of him.
1: And all year, it's kind of been like that. But so these guys are and You wanted to talk about Robertson. One thing that we talked about before the show that I think we should touch on is the mm-hmm. guy got papered again, and he gets...
0: But we talked about that. He got it's, smoked it's, the
1: game before. It's he always smoked the year before and missed injuries. His, Can,
0: his thing is not putting himself in a vulnerable he's position. He's getting ahead of the
1: play. He gets too far ahead of the play.
0: So... Anytime you're looking south and heading north, you're leaving yourself open like that. We should get it on record. I think there's, what, 76
1: games left in the Leaf season? Do you think he plays the next 76 games? Because our show before the show did not. I'm worried about him because he talked. even talked, uh, I think it was the
2: morning out, the morning before the game in Winnipeg, and he talked about how he was still sore from the game against Dallas. Yeah. And uh, like you said, Kipper, Braden McNabb, really likes to hit people hard. They're playing them tonight. Like, just you, I've loved what I've seen from them on that line because those two lines now actually really feel like a one-two punch. I think Willie and Tavares have shown more chemistry this year than they have all last year. I and hadn't heard Ro- the
1: name Mulgan until Keith mentioned it the other day. I was like, oh, right,
2: him. <laughs> and I think Robertson, he's good at transitioning the puck. Like, he really is a nice compliment to
1: them if he can stay healthy. But I, I don't feel like it's going to happen. You know who never gets hit? Mitch Marner. I know he got hit last game, but that's a rarity. You'll admit, really watch this team rarity. for years, Rarity that Mitch Marner gets hit. Patty Kane never gets hit. You know who doesn't get hit? Alex DeBrinket. Guys who are the size of Nick Robertson and to find a way to preserve themselves as smaller players with tons of talent in the NHL. And a lot of these guys can play in traffic and be successful. That, to me, seems to be the next step for Robertson. A little self-preservation and finding a way to not take as much contact so he can be valuable on the offensive side of things.
0: Leafs start off a five-game road trip uh, on a good note with a win Saturday night, Vegas tonight, San Jose Thursday, L.A. Saturday, and Anaheim Sunday. So are we to assume that after tonight with Samsonov in the Nets, he gets another start Saturday night, or do you go to Shulgren? Shulgren, I'm guessing, gets one here.
2: Shulgren's probably going to go against San Jose. They're the worst one of the worst team in the league, I would imagine they would start him in that game, which makes it all the more a treat to stay up late to watch Shalgren play net against the Sharks. Well,
1: in his one game was a lost Arizona, not that you blame Shalgren at all, but the the team's
0: performance. The only thing there is that you've got back-to-back on the weekend, and you do you want the remaining four games to be split, or would you think Samsonov would get three out of four? If that's the case, then if we go by your theory, then... Samsonov takes both games on the weekend. Can you see that? I think you just split them. It's too early in the season
2: here. Like, I, I, think, you, I think you split them. I really do. Matt oh, Murray ready? I, you, have, you signed two goalies because you got two goalies because you thought you were going to need them, and you're heading into a week here where you're playing four games. It's early in the season. They're not the top-tier competition on the back-to-back. Anaheim's not nearly as good as the Kings are. To me, it's pretty obvious that you'd start him on Sunday night. Sunday and Thursday for Shalgren, tonight and, thir- and tonight and Saturday for Samsonov.
0: Yeah, let's just Easy let's for me. see what happens tonight first. <laughs> like, all bets, a, are, all a, bets are off on the goalie schedule until I, I see they what happens tonight. I have a contingency plan
1: beyond Shulgren. I don't know. It's scary.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Luke Gastick, who's doing some work with uh, Sportsnet, he's going to join us after the break and maybe uh, let us know uh, his thoughts on Wayne Simmons and uh, that fourth line coming up after the break. You're watching, listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.
3: Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: CJCL Toronto. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The fan. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Our next guest was a pretty tough guy.
1: tougher than me. <laughs> <laughs> pretty low bar. I, I don't know. I, there's,
0: there's nowhere to go after that. <laughs> I mean, it,
4: I'm laughing already. That is, uh,
0: <laughs> that is stating the obvious, isn't it, Luke? <laughs> I did my best for 11 years. I did my best, Nick. Luke Gaznik, uh joining us now. Uh, Luke, you worked with uh, JB on Friday. Uh, did he let you get a word in ed- edgewise or... Do I need to talk to him? Honestly, I think
4: I took most of the airtime from him. I was all giddy on on the on the panel, but it was fun working with him Friday. It's nice to uh, it's it's get always a, get
1: it's always great under the belt. It's always great, Luke. When they're like, "Yeah, Luke, tell us about your great ex- your first experience in an NHL game," and, fight. and they show him beating up Thorburn, and they're like, hey, "Justin, you played in the minors." <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, on to the
1: next topic.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. You're you're the one that's uh, making yeah, us look grind good, it too, buddy. All yeah,
1: right, right, right.
0: Uh. So, listen, you're, you're born and raised in Toronto, correct? Uh, grew up a Leaf fan? Born and raised in North York, yeah.
4: Uh, grew up here my whole life. Obviously went away to play pro for years, but I always come back here in the summers. Used to ride the subway down to the gardens, you know, when I was young and been a Leaf fan for, for as long as I can remember. Went to high school in the city here, St. Mike's. So I've been, I've been Toronto
0: my whole life. That is awesome to hear. And uh, another tough guy in broadcasting. You can never there's, have enough of those. There's a few. We got Louis DeBrusque. Right. Yeah, we got a couple. Well,
4: so I always said that tough guys and goal, tough guys in backup goalies make the best analysts because they watch the most hockey. They just sit there watching. <laughs> it.
0: It's just not the watching part, though. It's the the one that understands the dynamic of a room. Mm-hmm.
4: Right, right. Right? And sure, we yeah.
0: we are the last we are the least clickiest guys ever. We have to get along with everybody or else we're screwed.
4: No, you're right, a hundred percent.
0: As far as the Leafs are concerned, what were your thoughts on going back old school style with Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford on the weekend?
4: Yeah, I kind of liked it. I know how hard it is to go, regardless of where they are in the standings going into Winnipeg's hard on any night. I always found that it's, it's just a smaller rink and the fans are loud and they they always play hard at home. So adding that little muscle to your fourth line, I absolutely loved it. It paid dividends for them. Obviously can't get in that goal, but every now and then you just kind of got to remind people, I think uh, that you have that in your lineup and you're not afraid to use it. So I was, I was all for it. I thought both of them played well too. So it it worked out well.
1: You know what's we were talking earlier in the show, like there seems to be an arc between you know, getting in, I'm sure when you get in you want to show people your value and what you can do, but also not doing anything stupid, taking penalties. You know, how hard is it to walk that line and you wouldn't you expect some of these guys who've done it for a long time, like Simmons and Clifford, to to kind of know where that line is?
4: No, it was the toughest thing for my career for sure. Like I remember, you know, when the hit happened, right? You can just see you could see Simmers' face and it's like trying to figure out these situations and dissect them as the game goes on and uh, you know, like you said, trying to walk that, the last thing I would want to do is take a minor cause I would be just getting roasted and, and playing grocery stick in the middle of the bench <laughs> if I took two. But, uh, I mean, it was always something I had to, I had to watch. You got to play tough. You got to play you got to intimidate, but you can't be stepping over the line. Sometimes you have to every now and then just to remind them, but, um, it definitely was one of the tougher parts of my career for sure that i mean that was where most of my ice time came from if i could be dependable and reliable and and also do do the physical things that i that i was willing to
0: toronto maple leafs will take on the vegas golden knights tonight uh luke one of those teams where the last few years you're saying okay uh maybe it's vegas's time uh but they will come and You know, just from your experience against a team like this, they will come big and heavy. I I think that uh, pretty clear that uh, Wayne Simmons will hold another spot in the lineup tonight.
4: Yeah, Vegas is no joke. And I actually remember getting called up for this road trip to go. This West Coast swing, I mean, people talk about how hard it is going to Western Canada. I mean, even though Buffalo just walked in there and, took all six points but i mean going down to Cali i know they throw in uh, they throw Vegas in there now but doing the San Jose LA uh usually ending in an Anaheim swing that's a tough one then and they used to be a lot heavier but it's still a tough road trip so not even just the Vegas game it's good to have some some big bodies like that um for for what's going to be you know pretty tough road trip for them depending i mean Anaheim's not playing well San Jose but it's still a tough road trip in my opinion
1: so the Leafs have Simmons and Clifford, the two these two guys who have stuck up with their teammates and been effective. But do you think their long term solution, like do they need to get some younger guys who stay in the lineup more? What what are your thoughts on, on I guess the permanent solution for the Leafs fourth line?
4: I mean, they gotta you have to draft bills from within, but these players are very hard to come by. The guys that can the guys that can play bottom six minutes, you know, accept that role, play hard, stick up for your teammates. And also be able to play a regular shift like these these are tough things to come by, and you know these guys can still do it, simmer's slowing down a bit. Uh, I think you can see it he's had a good good long career, but in the future they're going to have to be looking for some guys that can just add a little more you know a little more oomph to the to that uh, to those twelve forwards to that unit i don't know where it's going to come from because these guys are just so hard to find these days, the tanners and O's guys that that can kind of do it all. Um, And I'm excited to see where they go from there. They definitely add a couple pieces, in my opinion.
0: We're joined by Luke Gazdick uh, with Sportsnet, doing some analyst work along with uh, my buddy here, uh, Justin Bourne. Earlier in the season, uh, when asked to talk about Jack Campbell and Edmonton, Connor McDavid talked about the Edmonton market probably not being as intense or has having as much pressure, if I can paraphrase, as Toronto. As a guy growing up in Toronto and a guy playing in Edmonton, is that a fair assessment? Because I got to think with a slow start for Jack Campbell, he's feeling something out West. I know. I heard
4: Connor say that too, and I was running through it in my head. If I was going to compare it, I'd say that Toronto – there's more pressure here in Toronto, but it's tougher publicly in Edmonton. Uh, I, I think the media coverage is fairly similar, but Edmonton's just so much smaller. There's nowhere to hide. These guys live out in a or whatever. You have your, you know, if you have a girlfriend, you can stay there. Like you and you go out in Edmonton. I remember going to get a coffee. I always tell the story, just going to get a coffee, Starbucks, whatever. And the barista said to me, "You know what happened on that third goal?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, buddy, it's eight thirty in the morning. Like, hey, just, just cream, buddy, just my, cream." I'm like, can I get my americano and like just let me get to the rink first? <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's it's true. Like, and when I, Connor was playing, there was even worse. But even for a guy like me, who's just kind of blue collar fourth line guy, and like you can't go anywhere. You can't go to a restaurant. You can't go to, you know, out for, you know, dinners and stuff like that without somebody running into your grocery store. So, I think there's more pressure in Toronto, but there's less places to hide in Edmonton, and it can really wear on you in those long winter months. So, I, I think Jack's going to come back and 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 have a great, uh, great, great start, great year here. But uh, it's definitely not tough. Uh, tough when you're when you're not winning.
1: Didn't you say you guys had to walk through a bar in that uh, rink too in Rexall?
4: Oh yeah, old Rex All Arena. You literally walked through the underground bar. Like I'm not kidding, like through a bar. <laughs> so you imagine all these Edmontonians drinking all game and we're getting shelled, whatever it is, five, six, one coming off the ice after that one. Those were those were never fun walks, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'll
0: go ahead, Gibber. I was just gonna say just to follow up on Edmonton, uh Is 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 Jack enough to get them over the hump here or uh is it unrealistic to to think that you know jack is it i mean where, where do you see the most help needed for edmonton to get over the hump
4: i mean this is as much as they could ask for they wanted a uh, a reliable starting goaltender that has you know good attitude that's put up the numbers before that's jack he's just got to stay healthy right and knock on wood that's been his thing is he can't stay healthy but i play with jack he was a Dallas Stars draft pick. I had him in Texas. Oh, I didn't have played with him, didn't have him, but we were in Texas, and I know his competitive level. He's one of the best guys, best teammates I've ever had. Uh, I think the Oilers need a couple pieces. I, I don't think they're ready yet, but stick Jack in that, Suppy that with 97 and 29 up front. You never know what's going to happen. So I, uh, I'm hoping they, uh, they, they make the final you know, push this year, but I think Jack is definitely a step in the right direction.
1: So I will, uh, I'll get you to draw on your own experience a little bit. Just we've been talking about the Vancouver Canucks who are off to just a horrific start. And you had mentioned that, you know, you'd been on a team or two that really struggled. And, you know, I guess, what is it like playing for these teams or playing for a team who, you know, all of a sudden the focus shifts to, hey, we might, we may not be very good. You know, I guess, does it just become every man for himself? How do how, do, how does the focus change when you recognize your team might not be any good?
4: It's a strange situation. Uh, when we were at the, the studio on Friday, I told you my rookie year in, in 2013 with Edmonton. We started the year one and six, and I think our first fifteen were three, ten, and two.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And I mean, I mean, you're walking in the dressing room like you walk in a, in the old rec. All so you walk through, kind of the equipment manager, then into the equipment, you know, office, then into the lounge. And usually, when you're winning, there's music on, and you know, guys are bubbly and stuff like that. We're walking in zero and five, and like there's no music on. You're just wondering who's, you know, who's getting fired, who's getting sent down. Am I getting mm-hmm. laid? Um, you know, like what's happening here? And it was, it was just like walking on eggshells every day. It was, it was a very strange atmosphere to be around. It's really intimidating, and I guess definitely not fun in the long run. But I've been there, and man, you look at your roster, and you're like, I mean, I remember looking at Edmonton, Taylor Hall, Jordan Everly, Garnier, Hawk and Jakubov. we had this team stacked full of young talent. We just couldn't put it together. It's not only frustrating, but it suck. It's just not fun. Yeah.
0: That's when you, your, your leadership group has to bring a team together, no matter you know whatever the circumstances are. I mean, you need your four or five guys that you mentioned. Do you recall anything the, the meetings or you know, parties that's something that could bring guys together because that's all you really have.
4: Yeah, I think we tried everything. I mean, uh, nothing against our veteran core. We did have some great veteran guys. Boyd Gordon, Andrew Ference was our captain. Uh, Nick Schultz on defense um, played over a thousand games. I mean, we had some great vets. We just couldn't put it together. We had the closed door meetings. We, you know, we had got a curfew. Like all, we tried everything, <laughs> and uh, just unfortunately for that year in Edmonton, uh, Dallas Eakins and our team, we just didn't mesh and. And it just didn't work out. That was a tough rookie year for me. I was going around fighting everyone in the league, just trying to stay up. And like you said, it was—I'm not saying I was on my own page, but at some point you got to look out for number one. So I was just trying to stay in the NHL as best I could and block out all the other
0: noise. Hey, listen, uh, march into the the, the bigwigs at Sportsnet and say, hey, listen, you know, I mean, don't do the same thing you did to Kipper and, and burn him out. I'm I'm, I'm going to be here for 20 years, so just pace <laughs> pace me, okay?
4: Well, I'll take it a step at a time, Kipper.
0: All right. Hey, Luke, thanks for doing this, man. Really appreciate guys, it.
4: Guys, yeah, thank you. And, uh, Borny, I'll see you on what, Friday? All right, buddy. Sounds good. Okay, thanks for having me, guys.
0: All right. Luke Gazdick. He was saying. Doing a nice job.
1: He was saying on Friday. I, we showed the Arbor Jack-Eye fight, and I was like, this Jack-Eye's a monster. A 6'4", 240, and uh, Luke was like, yeah, I was too. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, I think he was 6'4", 245 or something. He said that his his yeah. first year, uh, I forget who the coach was. He, he mentioned Eakins, but someone told him, like, you're just too, too big. Like, you just got to drop 10, 15. You're playing with too much meat.
0: Like, like. 250 me too f-
1: well i don't know he he cut it down he said to whatever 230 or yeah. something like that but like that's just so much person he beaten up chris thorburn who was tough as hell so for his first yeah. like he went he went the heavies
2: like yeah jared no. bowl england he fought a couple of times west garth peluso chris neal oh. crombeam <laughs> thorburn mike brown like all yeah. the tough guys he yeah. went that's a tough job. Well, I think is it, it helps
0: for a few, including Wayne or Clifford tonight, that you know Ryan Reeves isn't in Vegas anymore. <laughs>
1: that's nice. He's somewhere else. Is there
0: anyone else that's uh, – Kipper, how insane is it knowing you're going to have to fight someone who's just like a giant? Oh, gosh. You, you kind of almost try to trick your mind into kind of forgetting about it until – Just until it's time. Till it's time. That doesn't work. <laughs> I've, no, actually, I've had things does. I dread later in it the day does. and I know like, it's coming. W- what are you gonna do about it? Just sit in a puddle all day? Of my own pee, yes. No no. <laughs> no. Trust me, that's uh that's <laughs> thank goodness a lot of guys don't have to yeah. deal with that. Like how many guys truly now feel like that? Ryan Reeves, Tom Wilson, um you know, even even Wayne, I'm sure there's a part of Wayne Simmons on the the 185. Like he's not looking forward but, to fighting. But anyone. there also was a part of him the moment he heard that he was going to play Saturday night that said, Ugh. I'm fighting somebody. I'm yeah. fighting somebody. And it didn't materialize. Mm-hmm. Right. So just there's some I, nights I bet you, you knew for him. sure you were going to have to do it. And I, Brandon, I knew it on a couple occasions uh, against guys like Tony Twist and. Ugh. Uh, yeah. God. <laughs> Jesus. Make that sound again. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ, get Chris Simon, Tony Torres. No, no chance. I, 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 oh. Deal with it when it happens. <laughs> but, and pray.
1: Yeah. But I, I would bet money that someone went up to Wayne Simmons, and it was probably Kyle Dubas and or Sheldon Keith and said, hey, you're not in here tonight just to be a fighter. You're not here to be an enforcer. We don't expect you to dress and go fight. I bet you they said that to him. They said, we want you to play
0: so, first. Yeah. And if there's a reason to, okay. But I, I'm sure they were. To, he was told. So, again, th- what were the odds that he was going to fight or make a between-the-legs pass <laughs> yeah, to, <laughs> it was, yeah. on, on the camp goal? The Yeah, it was a long shot to say the <laughs> underdog, yeah, the
1: through-the-legs, no-luck pass for an assist. So, yeah, that was unlikely to say the least.
0: It must have felt good, though, for him.
1: Yeah. You know. I, but that's I, not why you're there. Kipper. No, it's not why you're there. And I'm, I'm the guy who's like, he wasn't even trying to pass that to camp. Has anyone said that yet? He's trying to make that pass to Mete. But anyway. I'm just looking up. Um,
2: do you know who you fought the most, Kipper? No, I have no idea. I love this question. You Come on. How do you okay, not know? Okay, all right. Um, this is according to HockeyFights.com. Uh, uh, Randy McKay. No, Ronnie Stern, three times. Ronnie Stern. Cam Russell, three times. And Darren Kimball, three times. Darren Kimball! Those are your three top fights. The guys, you fought the most. I don't heard that name in a while.
0: Yeah, just all meatheads. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. I'm trying to
2: look at the guys that we've had on the show.
0: We've had Bar the most. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you fought uh, Ken Danico twice, who has been on our show. So. Oh, yeah. he's a good guy. <laughs> <He> <laughs> that's, was what, that,
0: like, that's why strong. That's I no, love I mean, hockey.
2: I know it's it's
1: actually really funny talking to some of these guys. Like we had Colin Campbell on our show, who fought my dad, and I went back and yeah, watched the Remember fight. that one? My dad like suckers him blind or ref, <laughs> and Colin came on our show and was like, yeah, I always respected your dad a lot. I'm like, did you? Did you? <laughs>
0: All right.
1: Then. Different era, I guess.
0: No, but guys now don't have to go through that, which is lovely. Ronnie Stern, I had a couple of good ones with him, and he could fight too. He had some very fast hands. Well, like Vancouver I felt, could use a guy like that right now.
1: I always felt <laughs> that I had to fight at least once to show my team I would. Right? Like, I'm not a guy who would yeah. not do it. Like, it just, I would. I think Anywhere? I fought.
0: Like the supermarket or just anywhere or just <laughs> in, in a game? I'll get
1: in one fight per year. I'll check the box, <laughs> and then I'll be like, it better be serious for me to fight a second time.
0: All right, let's change the subject here. Uh, we've got um, a very hot story in Vancouver Vancouver in here. Mm-hmm. And is it one of those where uh, can they turn the narrative as quickly as the Toronto Maple Leafs did on their, uh, I don't know, Elite Gate?
1: Yeah, I don't think they can. Because like the, the leaf solution is just winning cures all. Isn't that the most common saying in professional hockey? Basically, you can have the biggest nightmares possible. If your team wins, everyone moves on. That's what's happened here in Toronto. It's already out the window. They win. Moving on. The Canucks can't win to save their life. Is Bruce Boudreaux going to get win 600? hundred? has been there for 599, six attempts now. And boy, it sure feels like the... Uh, the trapdoor is getting close to being pushed there. And they got the, uh, you know, just the terrible Carolina Hurricanes tonight who never win. Literally the best team in the <laughs> NHL. It's <laughs>
0: that, almost as, as if that's what you need.
1: Right? A great team to come in. A great
0: in. team where you're. I'd take a bad team over the great team, but you no, just need to get the team. I would. Uh, I, I, who played the other night? Colorado uh, and won in overtime. Seattle? Seattle, yes. Seattle Kraken? Yes. And then they lose to Chicago. And it's like... Seattle
1: did. Yeah, Seattle
0: yeah. lost to Chicago last night, I think. Yeah. And you're like, you're you're looking at that and you're like, that's the loss and that's the win. Yeah. And it's reversed. It's a stupid sport. That don't make no sense. That make no sense. <laughs> zero. Absolutely zero. Uh, we've got um, Jason Bruff, co-host of Halford and Bruff in Vancouver coming up uh, in about 10-15 uh, minutes. Uh, before that, we watched After Hours mm-hmm. with Jim Rutherford, the president of Vancouver. Uh, we all watched it. Sammy, did you get a...
2: I had a look at it. You Saw look some at at it? Said.
0: Did you watch it? Mm-hmm. Your initial thoughts on how we handle it. And I get people want to give Jimmy Rutherford credit for, for showing up. I do. That's
2: number one. That's what I give him credit for. Not what he said, but him physically sitting in that
0: seat. But he had no choice. Yeah, Of course he does. What's you always a have a choice. Not do it. Not do it. Do you want to know the narrative that the Vancouver Canuck fans would have had if they if if Scott Oak announced that he was guesting and he bailed, mm-hmm. do you know what would we be they would be talking about today?
1: That Rutherford not man enough to face the music, is that
0: is that it? Coward yeah. cowardly act to pull the shoot. Absolutely.
1: Ah, people like you would be like I get he it. They had 5 no and 1. No
0: choice but to show up. Yeah. Bad seafood. So, like I get it. Yeah. And you know, Jimmy's treated a lot of people in media great and uh very respectful. Uh but they would have they would have killed him. Yeah. If he would have bailed. There's and it would have been, you can't face the music. Why mm-hmm. Why would you? Like,
1: Jim's done enough, too, that he doesn't feel like this defines him, I don't think. Like, he has some track record to ba- to say, you know, to show that he can do the job well. This team well, has falling apart. but the feeling
0: still is that Jimmy's just starting. He's just getting in there. Is, there. is there a lot more cleanup than he would have thought at this point? Going moving forward they
1: just made a mess with the jt miller
2: contract the the flashpoint thing that he said was that we may sorry we may well be in a rebuild uh in the direction we're going but we'd like to try to transition this team on the fly
0: right like he's yeah but all bets are off as as justin just said like when you when you commit eight million over eight to jt miller you don't get to utter the words rebuild
1: no. Well, this has the, been the Canucks problem is that they have like they, they got this new core, right? They got Pedersen and Hughes and Demko and they went, OK, we're good. We can't you know, we're not in a rebuild. We're good. But, you know, you just heard Gazdick. Do you remember that? Those Oilers teams, the, the names he mentioned, he's like, yeah, we had Hall and Eberle and just got Yakupov. Like you can think you have great young talent. Doesn't mean you're going to be good for sure. And that seems to be where the Canucks are at is that core has not been good enough to propel them to the next level.
0: No.
4: I want
1: the truth! You can't handle the truth! And they can't handle the truth that maybe those guys aren't enough for them and now they're stuck.
0: Well, we're going to... Uh, we'll, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll go to a break now and we'll bring in... Do you want to play uh, the J.T. Miller stuff from today before we
2: go to break or do you want to do that with uh, Bruff?
0: No, let's do it now. Okay. Let's do it now because uh, J.T. Miller... And oh. Okay, first of all, as they... As the game was over and they exited the ice, we saw him and Luke Shen mm-hmm. have, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a disagreement. Uh, there were some words exchanged that led to a little bit of, uh, I don't know, uncomfortableness <laughs> Yeah, sure. by the viewers or others on the team. Yeah. I think Garland stepped in and actually physically separated the two or or forced them to distance themselves. But that was a awkward moment between two veterans. Yeah. And everyone, what did you make of it?
1: Well, I mean, everyone loves Luke Shen by all accounts, right? So my kind of initial takeaway is just, if everyone likes Shen, these two are going at it, I wonder how everyone in the room felt about Miller getting eight years.
0: I don't think it... Uh... I don't think it directly had anything to do with Miller getting eight years. No,
1: no. I just mean, it seems to me, my guess is Miller seems like a bit of a hothead and often the problem in these sort of debates. Yeah. Right. And so if he's the guy who well, seems to be causing teammate fights, you know, do you love hearing that that guy's committed for eight years?
0: Do you, uh, jerseys were thrown by the way, multiple jerseys were thrown on the ice, mm-hmm. which is horrible look and Leaf fans. I've experienced that.
2: Leaf fans would never do anything. Like that. <laughs> come on, we're above that
0: kind of. Uh, JT Miller responded today. Do we have that clip? Let's go to it. I, I, got, I don't know. It's more of the same here. I guess I got a job to do. I'm not worried about if people want to come to the game, pay all that money, and throw their jersey on the ice. Go ahead. I don't I got a job to do. Um, I'm worried about beating Hurricanes today and having a good start to the game and us really trying to come together as a team, not whether people want to toss their gear on the ice or not.
1: Super dismissive Yeah, whatever Who cares Just the fans Who cares about the fans What about the fans
0: Yeah, that, that's not helping him
1: No, it's not It's not helping him It's stupid It's obnoxious And it just bothers me He, he signed a contract a until 20, ago Until 2030 The year 2030 Two months ago September 2nd Like if there's a city you want in your corner It's the one you're going to be a part of until then Don't you think that's it's bad. Just dismissive? Of the fans and their value?
0: Yeah, and I, uh, I, I listen to people's comments about JT Miller and Luke Shen going at it, and they're like, oh, that stuff happens. And it's like, yeah, it happens. But what you don't know in that equation is, is like, sometimes it could be really two good guys. Mm-hmm. For sure, that happens a lot. But if, if one of them is, if there's an issue with one of them in the room... And I I don't pretend to know exactly what the situation is there. But my guess is in that room, a guy like Luke Shen would probably get more respect than JT Miller right about now. I think so. And if there is an issue with JT Miller, then it's not that it happens on every team. It's why... Are Why right now is J.T. Miller um, in a position now to come across dismissive? Why does everyone-, everyone...
1: Everyone gets eight years now if they think they can save a couple of bucks. Like, there are certain people I just don't think you can... All right.
0: Uh, a guy that probably would know a little bit more of uh, the details of this would be uh, Jason Bruff, co-host of Halford and Bruff in Vancouver. He's going to join us after the break as we discuss... The Vancouver Canucks.
3: Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jazz Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet Five Ninety The Van. We'll continue our in-depth conversation on the Vancouver Canucks somehow this story is i think grabbing national attention especially after watching Saturday night after hours Jimmy Rutherford on with Scott Oak and John Garrett we'll bring in Jason Bruff co-host of Halford and Bruff in Vancouver to kind of give us a little bit of uh depth into this uh this topic uh First and foremost, Jason, thanks for joining us and and how hot is this story right now?
5: Uh it's 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 pretty hot. Um Vancouver is not is not happy and and, and you know, we're we're looking around and we're seeing how the Canucks are pretty big story just around the NHL, not just in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh it's fascinating because it seems like there should be a pretty good hockey team there. You know, before we get into the details of what to do next and who said what and all that, can you give us sort of an overview of what's going on that's making this such a cluster swear word?
5: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people look at the roster and they, and they see, they see um, some real strengths, right? Like if, if you're thinking about trying to build uh, Stanley Cup contending team. You, you think you want depth down the middle, you want a number one defenseman, and you want a good goalie. Well, the Canucks went into the season with Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Bo Horvat as your 3C. They had uh, you know Quinn Hughes, good young defenseman on, on the back end, and they got Thatcher Demko in goal. Plus, you had some pretty good wingers. Uh, Brock Besser, Connor Garland, they added a few. Mikheyev, who you guys know in Toronto, um, you know, Kuzmenko who's actually been pretty good and you think, well, how is this team oh four and two? How are they blowing all these leads and how are they, you know, so bereft of confidence and belief in, in the home opener and why is the fan base so frustrated? But I think if you look a little deeper uh into this team, um, yeah, you've got that depth down the middle, um, but you know, JT Miller was a was a big signing and he has looked awful like he has just yeah. looked terrible terrible there's all the high risk giveaways with without any of the the reward that you get for he's a bit of a gunslinger right um yeah. so he takes a lot of risks and last year a lot of those risks paid off this year almost all of them are ending up on the other stick of the other team um and then if you look at uh if you look at the blue line yeah you got Quinn Hughes but You know, you don't have much beyond him. And frankly, Quinn Hughes has been playing too much. Now he's hurt, but he's been playing too much. And uh, he hasn't been very good either. He's been careless with the pocket times. And Thatcher Demko has not been good at all. So this is is what you get when almost everything goes against you.
0: Before we get into maybe uh, some other things like the goaltending, lots of talk with Jim Rutherford's appearance on
5: After Hours.
0: What were your thoughts after watching him? Did he uh, calm the waters or did he pour gasoline on the fire?
5: Well, he definitely didn't calm the waters. Uh, (laughs) There were were a number of takeaways. First of all, I was at the Elton John concert on Saturday, so I came out of the concert. (laughs) I, I, I came out of the concert, terrific concert, 75 years old and still going strong. I come out of the concert and I didn't have very good reception where my seats were, so I come out of the concert and I'm seeing floods of you know texts from my buddies you know like guys that were at the game and be like we left in the second or whatever you know and and uh you know all the social media stuff and like oh jt miller had an argument with luke shen on the ice their jerseys on the ice and then you know i see the jim rutherford appearance and and you know there there were just a number of takeaways there but probably my biggest one was um you know there's a really weird dynamic going on between management and the head coach Bruce Boudreaux. And one of the things that Jim Rutherford said was like, and I'd never heard him admit this before. He said when he took the job it was his understanding that Bruce Boudreaux was only signed for last season. And then he finds out that, oh, wait a minute, it's kind of a two year deal. There was options involved in there, but you know, the the way it he's always made it seem is you know, Bruce Boudreaux is not his pick for his head coach. And he talks about the Canucks having a bad training camp. He talks about them uh, having poor habits and a lack of structure. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> those seem like coaching responsibilities, don't they? Like, it's just such a weird dynamic. And, uh, you know, then he talks, then then he gets a question about, uh, from, a, from from one of the fans um, via Scott Oak, you know, why hasn't this team ever, Committed to a, a full you know rebuild, and he gives the question or he gives the answer of well, people have to realize how long rebuilds are, and most of the fan base is here, and they're like, Hey, no offense, Jim here, but you 've been here for like a year we 've been going through the same old thing for almost a decade, so I you know if is a rebuild a decade because it 's been a decade, <laughs> and we 'd be willing to sign up for that right now
1: yeah no that's uh, i mean it's been truly fascinating to watch from here. You know, one of the things when things start to go wrong is you start to look at, you know, what you thought you had with the team and what you maybe really have with the team. And you mentioned all the things that people thought were there in Vancouver. But, you know, you're looking at the names you mentioned, you know, let's say that all those players, the good, you know, down the middle and you got good goaltending and a, and a number one defenseman teams have failed with that in the past. Can the Canucks build around Hughes and Miller and Horvat and Demko? Like, can they build around those guys? Are they a core that, if they're better supported, can have success?
5: Uh, you know, I, I I think you have to start with the core. I, I really do. Yeah. I think you have to look at. Um, um, you know, I, I'm not blaming. Uh, I'm not blaming the, the others right now. I mean, you know, Podcolzen has been good. He's a good young player. Uh, Curtis Lazar has come in and been uh, you know a good soldier Um, you know there isn't much on the on the blue line and that was a major issue staring the Canucks in the face and Jim Rutherford said he tried to fix the blue line last summer but you know how many teams out there have tried to fix the blue line it's tough man there's not many good defensemen out there you know can't fix it in free agency Um, we've seen countless teams um, try and fail to fix the blue line and the teams that the rare teams that actually do succeed in fixing their blue line well look at colorado look at that blue line that colorado had like 5 or 6 years ago it was dreadful look at it now it's amazing right so um you know that is that is an issue that is staring this management group in the face how do you fix the blue line and how do you do it without um losing so much from up front or trading away another first round draft pick or, you know, it is, it's, it's a puzzle that I'll be honest with you. Like I do not see a solution to.
0: One of the issues moving forward is Bo Harvat pending UFA. Mm-hmm. If you're Bo, do you want to resign?
5: Well, extrapolate that to Elias Pettersson. who has got two years left on his bridge contract, hmm. you know, I, I think all these guys must be wondering. You know, I wonder if JT Miller is thinking like, "I'm glad I have that money coming to me, but boy, I do not like the situation right now." And Canucks fans would say, "The feeling is mutual, JT." So <laughs> he won't last, uh, you know. And 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 listen, I I know the question was about both. So to answer your question, I I I would be shocked if he's a Canuck next season. Like, I just don't see how the Canucks can sign this guy. Um, commit more to this core, which is more often than not, let everyone down. Um, you know, Bo, Bo's a good player, but he's going to be looking for a big contract, um, and I don't know if this group, uh, I don't know if this team can afford can afford to resign him and and lock in more of this, what is now a failing core. Um, as for you know, you know, J.P. Miller. You know, I, I look back on the last couple of years, and in my opinion, they've made two very big mistakes. And the first one was the Oliver Ekman-Larsen contract, where for some short-term gain, um, you took on Oliver ekman Larson's contract um, and you gave up you know, draft picks, and you also took on Connor Garland, who doesn't seem to have much market value either at this point, given the flat cap. Um, Canucks have many, many years left of Oliver Ekmel-Larsen. And while he is fine as a defenseman, he is very much overpaid. It's an inefficient contract. And they've just done the same thing with J.T. Miller. You know, I've, I've said it time and time again on my show, do not re-sign J.T. Miller oh my to gosh. a large contract extension. Do not do it because people people said, like, the worst thing that could happen is that J.T. Miller walks away in free agency, I said, no, that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is that you resign him to a contract that becomes yet another negative asset right away. And that's what's happened.
0: His contract has will kick in next year. It hasn't, it hasn't even started. He's like one of those brand new cars that you drive off the lot you're like, I I can't sell it for the same thing. I just stroked it for
5: guys. How many times have we seen this? (laughs) You know, we, we, so we had Don Waddell on, uh, on the, uh, on our show this morning, president and general manager of Carolina. And it wasn't just to juxtapose the Canucks. It's because the Canucks are hosting the, uh, Carolina Hurricanes tonight. And, you know, we had this conversation with him and I said, you know, Don, you don't really have many long-term commitments there. You know, you've got Svechnikov and Kokuniemi signed long-term, but those guys are, I think they're 22 years old right now, uh, around there. And he said, yeah, that's by design. You know, like Mm -hmm. when you you get into that phase of you're almost 28 or 29 and you're looking for a long-term deal, teams have got to think long and hard about that. And you got to, if you do re-sign a guy to that contract, you, you better make sure because while there are some players like, you know, Sidney Crosby or Patrice Bergeron, usually it's a Hall of Fame guys that you that are still really good good players into their into their thirties. And then there's the odd, you know, journeyman that stays in ridiculously good shape and father time doesn't uh affect as much as other guys. Like the majority of them, you know, you guys are better athletes than I was, but you know, when did your body start saying like, hey, I, I can't move as fast as I used to and that's what happens. Yeah.
0: This morning and <laughs> <laughs> yesterday morning and three years ago every morning. day after
1: my 26th birthday i think
0: yeah uh yeah. yeah uh as far as the goaltending is concerned when we think of almost i don't know about sure things but when we think of goalies that are are next in line to be great uh we would have put demko in there and mm-hmm. uh, i like i get a lot of fingers being pointed towards maybe even Bruce Boudreaux with uh, structure but these blown leads and if if Demko finds a way to not have a what an 8 friggin' 50 save percentage or a 4 24 goals against average if he could find a way to shut the door on a few of these leads we might have been talking about a a 3 and 2 start or a, a 4 0 and 1 start or something you know
5: yeah no, I know. And 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 I just have a real problem with uh giving any blame to Thatcher Demko because frankly um you know the fact that he was so good last season um when Bruce Boudreaux um came aboard is probably one of the reasons why the Canucks are in the bind that they are right now because they had such good goaltending that I think they it um it covered up a lot of the, the mistakes that they did have. Like the the fact is if you look at this forward group there are not many good two-way players, you know, and you need a bunch of them. And I, and mm-hmm. I think back to the the good Canucks teams of 2011, um, you know, Ryan Kessler won the Selkie. You had guys like um, Manny Malhotra, who's, of course, on the least bench now. Alex Burrows was a really good defensive forward. Yannick Hansen was a <clears throat> very responsible forward. Great penalty killers. And they don't have that right now, and it's why their penalty kills a disaster. You know, it sunk them last season, and it's one of the things that's sinking them this season. Um, Thatcher Demko does have to be better, absolutely. And the game in Columbus uh, where Johnny Gaudreau scored that, um, you know, coast-to-coast goal that tied it and sent it to overtime, you know, it wasn't Demko, it was Spencer Martin in there. He probably should have done better on, on that goal as well. So has the goaltending been been good no it hasn't been but if you look at the amount of breakdowns that this team has had you know whether they've been on the power play giving up odd man rushes that have a lot, you know power you know power play goals against or sorry shorthanded goals against um you know the third goal in the buffalo game was bad puck management that led to an odd man rush and that was it the Canuck spirit was broken so you know as much as you can definitely say you know demko needs to be better it ain't his fault
0: Really appreciate your time, Jason, no problem, on this story, guys. man.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Hope things get more positive, yeah. buddy. Thanks for coming yeah. on. Just there's, there's only there's here's a the positive thing. There's only 76 more games. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're, you're almost um, home free. Just a little advice to to to, to Vancouver Canuck, uh management there. Uh, uh, don't blame elite players. It's just it'll. You don't think so? Turn into a mess. That's my Toronto. Oh, your Toronto tag. Yeah, okay, my, my okay. Take. We tied at
5: home. Yes. Yeah. Or, or 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 don't tell the truth after a loss to the Coyotes. <laughs> yeah, heaven forbid. Right. <laughs> See you guys, See you, Brough. Thanks. Ruff. Um,
0: all right. So
1: I'm, you piece everything he said together, and it's like, boy, they're in trouble.
0: Well, I don't know where do you want to start with Bruce Boudreaux, just in terms of he'd be the easiest start here for either jim rutherford or uh aquilini the owner to go yeah, it was never our guy saturday night twice jim rutherford had mentioned that uh that uh if you can have a strong structure you can play through those things
1: But we do not have a strong structure because our coach hasn't done a good enough job. Is that the implication?
0: I got to think that you can read the tea leaves on that comment.
1: I think I did okay on the ellipses there. That's what he's getting at. And as uh, Bruff mentioned, mentioned, he's saying the same thing. Like, you know, Jim, you know, I was under the impression that Bruce Boudreau was on a one-year contract. I don't know. It, it doesn't feel to me like at Christmas, Bruce Boudreaux was coaching that team. God, I hope he gets win 600. It would kill me if he didn't get it before they fire him.
0: Come on, one more. Come on. Well, oh, you see, think you'd get okay. one. Now, see, I I I Just give me a chance. Just give I, me a chance. It's just one number. How can 600 make you feel so much better than five ninety nine. Like, who really cares? Everybody one in our more.
1: stupid society cares about these big round numbers and milestones and a thousand games. You get your still silver stick in nine ninety nine. They tell you to go kick rocks. But it's gonna be an awkward one if he
2: gets it. No, like what if they go? <laughs> he gets their first win to go to one eight and one. It's like, oh
1: great,
5: oh, congrats.
0: Seeing
1: last in oh eight. No. We're that tight, eh? Like it's I I game by cannot game? see it. Game by game?
0: I would think so. The Canucks have led every clear, single game, Again, not, it's not? Maybe so but clear. So was it not you earlier? And I, I don't, don't know, know who we were talking to where you're just like, rip the bandaid off. Yeah. Just get it over yeah. with. Why
1: wait? Well, if you know you're gonna do it, there's no gain and
0: the longer what you were wait. What are talking hard... about when you said that? Who who were we talking about? I think we were talking
1: about the Canucks and their coaches, no? Oh, were we? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Like if you if you're gonna do it the second you know, what was Brian Burke, who I think I referenced, has said, yes. the second you th- you're thinking about it, yes. you should just do it. Like, you're that far along, you know, you consider it, what was it, the least fans ch- chanted Fire Ron Wilson or whatever, and he's like, that's enough.
2: Fire Wilson.
1: Yeah. I,
0: Is that so I'm not, not that we, we're firing Bruce Boudreaux on our show, but if they went out and started shopping, yeah. could you see them going after, like, a Barry Trotz? No. Um
1: well does Aquilini seem like a guy who wants to pay, you know, competitive is dollars. That what we're for head down now.
0: We're down to that they're not willing to spend two and a half or three million dollars. Uh and that's not what I'm we what would get not Barry trots trots trots. paid, No. No, Trotz would be up around five yeah. six for sure. But if you could find someone at two and a half, three, would you do it? Yeah, I think so. I mean I'll throw out a name right now. Let's have it. Got a little tie into Jimmy Rutherford. I'm mad I don't have it yet. Mm, Pittsburgh Bilesma? connection. Bilesma? Is that a good guess? No. Bilesma's uh, <laughs> is he coaching somewhere? Coaching in the American Hockey League, I think. Okay. In, uh, if I'm not mistaken, don't... Seattle Kraken's organization. I thought you were... <laughs> Come on, boys. Tarion? Been a guest on our show. I'm not talk, Is it? Yeah. yeah. No, don't say
1: talking. I didn't want to say <laughs> it because.
0: Yeah, I can see a uh, Rick Tockett with Jimmy Rutherford. Yeah, there is a tie
1: there. That's true. Ugh. I just it, okay. So you get Rick Tockett. If I'm Rick Tockett, I'm like, okay, just did the Arizona thing. What's our plan? Like trading Bo Horvat, trading J T. Miller, and the deal we just signed. Trading, it's, you
0: can you 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 can get away with asking a few questions, but. At the end of the day, do you want the job or don't you? Do you want the ten million over four years or the twelve million over four, or yep. you don't? You're a coach. We're the general manager. We're the president. We'll we'll get you good players. You got a four year deal. You turning it down because you don't? You want to hear every last detail? Well, I'll tell you. So no. Obviously not. Get in. There's only 32
1: of those jobs. You get offered one plus, as you mentioned, committed $10 million to you. You got to take it. But I do think that there is a point as a head coach where you cannot take too many crappy coaching jobs or you just go, and here's a man that I really like, but like Dallas Aikens. Uh, He coached the Edmonton Oilers and they were crap, right? Very, a lot of talent and they were crap. He gets fired, has some success in the American League, gets a job in the NHL coaching Anaheim. He's on, what, year five now yeah. of Anaheim being yeah. crap. If, let's say, Anaheim decides not good enough to get rid of Aikens, how could you look at him and go, that's the guy? He's had two stints of not being able to have success, and I don't blame him either time. If you look at his rosters, they've been terrible, by and large, not good enough to win with. So I think if you're talking, you go okay. Well, that guy's been the coach of Arizona, no good. Yeah. If you go take over the Vancouver and they suck for four years, but he uh,
0: he won cups in Pittsburgh on the bench.
1: Yeah, and he was a big part
0: of that. Yeah, and he had a big influence. Okay. On players,
1: so he unlike a and he's has something won a Stanley to. Cup, of course. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right. So I guess you just take the job and say, hopefully they figure out the roster, and I have some at least. Unlike Arizona, he'd have some tools to to wield. Anyway, all right. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, oh,
2: you, you said speaking of stuff. Speaking of round numbers, John Tavares six goals away from four hundred. Just wanted to say that before. One okay. point away from nine hundred. No, he's already he's already got that. Yeah, nine hundred points. Yes, he does. Lies. How many? Uh, he has nine hundred two. Oh, I missed it. That's okay. Ah, I got some old information.
0: You guys, good on your John. Yeah, Tavares is, we, love? we
2: talked about round numbers, so I wanted to say that before. on. All right, on. six away. So That's a big milestone.
0: As, as you. Remind me of how important it is for Bruce Boudreaux to just get one more. Mm. We are reminded tonight, Vegas versus the Leafs, Mm -hmm. that Phil Kessel will play in his 989th consecutive game. Does that sound right? Yep, it does. Which reminds me of the... The game in Arizona where he purposely stepped on the ice once and disappeared. What was it? He was like his kid was being born or something? Uh, he was- something trivial like that. <laughs> 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 but he did. He played like two shifts. And then he was like,
2: pace. And everyone's like, ah, we're no, a joke anyway. You know what it makes me think of? <laughs> Is the first game when he came back when he started the streak was with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it was one of the most exciting games. Tampa. Tampa. And he came, comes flying over the blue line, and Matthias Oland hit him with one of the biggest open ice body checks that I can re- ever remember seeing. And it was just like every Leaf fan had been waiting for this moment because he came off surgery, right? I think it was shoulder surgery yeah. or some sort of sh- surgery, came off of it, came in, and got wallpapered in his first
1: game. And I was like, oh, well, that's a tough way to start an Man streak, and he hasn't missed a game since. So... Kessel had games prior to that in the NHL. I didn't yeah. realize he's well over a thousand. Then I'm assuming
0: for his career. Yeah, he's got 1,210. 1,210. Oh yeah. Yeah. And wow, wow! I'm not dumb enough to be one goal away as from dismissive as JT Miller was with the Vancouver fans to s- say that this isn't like a, like a, a great accomplishment. Oh, it's unbelievable! It's like, unbelievable. Think about he gets 13, up for it every night. 13 years, not sick. Yeah. Uh, Finding a way to get there, and you know what? He
1: there. has been sick over this time, but he plays. He's been he's had but, an nagging injury, but he plays.
0: But it's an accomplishment. Is, is it? A, is it not getting its just due because, especially no the list. Phil of, and and then Keith Yandel, who you know probably spent the majority of his time avoiding contact and making contact. The list of Iron Men,
1: uh streaks takes away from the other Iron Men because it's like the Sedines Yandel, Kessel, marlowe you know, like guys who it is a unbelievable accomplishment. And I am not minimizing it. But, you have, to pl- but you have to play a certain way to preserve yourself. Yes. There was a, an NFL so, analyst. So, so who-
0: does that automatically get them less respect than if it was a guy that played harder? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's
1: yep. fair. <laughs> I mean, it does. Oh, you yeah, know, now, we're-, we're all
0: in agreement. So Phil
1: Kessel tonight. I didn't miss a game for 10 years. Guess why? <laughs> Bill Kessel tonight
2: can set the all like the or tie the record and score his 400th career goal both against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Definitely both of those things. Oh happen.
1: man, I'm putting money on Kessel to
2: score tonight. That is again free money. If you would like it, whatever yes. the numbers at, put a couple bucks on that.
0: And I might. I'd actually... buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I am not a real Hall of Fame kind of. Conversationalist.
1: Oh good, because I hate that.
2: But, 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 yes. but yes. I love this one.
0: But he is. Like does oh, that does that th- th- what the record
2: or the four hundred <laughs> goals? And what two and two Stanley Cups? Phil Kessel is one hundred percent a Hall of Famer. Uh
1: not happening. What? No, not happening.
2: I'd completely disagree with you. I don't know if his numbers are strong enough. He's played twelve hundred you know he's almost played yeah. four hundred goals, almost a thousand points. Got eighty-one yeah. points in playoffs. Goal, go look games. up four hundred Goal-
0: goals in a thousand points. Listen, guys who two aren't cop, in-
2: two cops. I think he's a hall of famer in this era. Yeah. Like it's 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 you're measured against your era. To me, he's getting in.
1: No, he's not because he was never not getting in. Guaranteed not getting in. You say no. He's not getting in. He's not getting in. He uh, he has never been one of the I don't know five best players in the league for. Has he got Hart Trophy votes? Yeah, ever? nothing.
0: No, no, he, no he, major awards. He won a
1: Stanley Cup as the. Fifth or sixth best yeah. player in his team. I don't know. Well, maybe uh, is Letang, Balkan Crosby on this. You know, like he's a great player, unbelievable. Yeah, this is not born things. Kessel hasn't had a great career. I'm saying the Hall of Fame's tough to get in. Is Jeremy Roenick in eh, or Rod Brindamore in or tough. Uh, who we missing? Pat Verbeek. Like, there's I don't know. There's a bajillion names of guys who are still waiting on getting in.
0: I'd say Hall of Famer. I, I think I, good. I, I heard Elliot tell a story about Phil Kessel. Uh, Working out. And he, there's no question he's a he's a gifted guy. Yeah. He's a he's a real strong player physically. Like yeah. he's his ability to bench press or or leg press, I mean, is, are very it's very well known. But Elliot told the story where he's sitting on the couch and one of the players is busting his balls a little bit over, you know, I'm working my butt off and you're sitting on the couch, and then Phil gets up and Bench presses or leg lifts Way more than the other guy Yeah no, and, the, that... and the other guy feeling bad And I'm like Elliot the only thing missing from the story Is I want to know the guy <laughs> i of the guys. Was it born? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah. Who's getting shown up by a guy sitting on the couch?
1: There's also the frustration, I think, of people like that where you're like, God, if you just yes, did more, that's you'd right.
0: be... You'd be in the Hall of Fame. Right. <laughs> there would be no debate. If you faith. just actually got off the couch right. and took working out seriously over your whole career, right. think about how good you really could have been.
1: And Phil Kessel... I mean, has a unique ability to shoot the puck in the net. What an athlete. Again, I'm not anti Phil Kessler. I'm just saying he's not a Hall of Famer. Not in my Hall of Fame, anyway.
0: Mm. It's okay, Sammy. We disagree. It's all good. good. And that's it's
1: fine. Good. Sports. 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 To me, sports.
2: No, no. Uh, to me, it's just, I guess. I think. Make the case for it, though. I think it's a fair case. I just played this streak. He's going to have the all-time Ironman streak, that's which that you, guys you guys don't care about that. He could win the heart this year. You guys don't care about he it. He could
0: win uh, the Conn Smythe and... He almost did we'll win the Smythe. We'll put you in. He was robbed
2: he of the consmite. He probably should have won the Smythe that year. He was I'll unbelievable in the playoffs. He was the best, maybe the best player on a cup-winning team that it had, had Sidney Crosby on it.
0: Sid I, won. He did win. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. And you think Phil would have got it over Sid? Are you, well, like,
2: well, it's like Ty go to the run. If it was Ty, it. it was going to go to Sid. Well, yeah, it's like LeBron. It's like, I wonder who they're going to give the finals MVP to, LeBron or whoever. Yeah. Anyways, I just, I think two cups... Close to a thousand points, all-time Ironman streak. To me, he's a hall of famer.
0: Okay, I like it. I like that our show All is right, represented. Where do you guys want to go? You want to talk about the Atlantic a little bit and the challenges that uh, some good. teams may have because? Let's just talk about you in the Buffalo Sabers. Detroit, Ottawa, Montreal, and uh, my favorite athlete now is Josh Allen, which is like a Buffalo thing. So it's you guys want to talk about the New York football jets? No. Bleeding into uh the Buffalo Sabres, that vibe that Allen has created in Buffalo.
1: I love that yeah, that Allen's getting credit for the Buffalo yes. Sabres good stuff. I'm giving him I'm <laughs> giving credit. him full credit
0: for and uh I'm throwing some love into the big horses. Oh, and on Buffalo. Tuck. Oh yeah. And uh what's his name? He just signed a, a huge contract there, uh uh, Tage. Oh yeah, Tage Thompson. Yeah. Oh my God, did you watch them on the weekend? They owned Vancouver. Yeah, bigger, faster, stronger. They're Buffalo's like got a little I'm telling little swag. you right now, if they get any type of consistent goaltending, they will be right there. Yeah, for a playoff spot, right there. Uh, yeah, no, they they
1: have legitimate pieces at this point. You know, it's... Look at the top of the Atlantic division. Okay.
2: Bruins. Great. Five and one start. Just what everyone wanted. Florida Panthers, four, one, and one. Buffalo Sabres, four, and one. No,
0: not what everybody wanted, what... you wanted,
2: yeah. Just just makes me really happy. Red Wings three and two, Leafs four and two, Sabers. I oh, sorry, Senators three and two, Lightning three and three. You know they're going to get better.
1: Montreal three and three. Everybody is at or above five hundred in the Atlantic Division to start the season. <coughs> Lovely. The AL East all of a sudden here. Yeah, I mean, I, one thing I will say to this effect: if you sort uh, for strength of schedule, the weakest schedules this year have been Detroit. Buffalo, Montreal, like some of the teams that are off to decent starts in the division have had a pretty soft go of it, but if you sort the NHL by goal differential, which I think is a fairly true indicator of what teams are, mm-hmm. the Sabres are third best in the NHL at plus 11 um, and best in the Atlantic. It leads me to believe there's a little bit more to what their start has been than some of the other teams. Like the Habs, see you later.
0: Thanks oh yeah, for they, they yeah. Suck, but- Rasmus Dallin who went when did he go? What round? Uh, 2018, first overall. First over, yeah. But 2018, I, I don't know. Sounds it's right. It's Sounds set right. Set an NHL record for consecutive goals by a defenseman to start a season. How has a defenseman
1: never scored four goals in four games? Five goals in five Ever. games. Ever? No, I know, but he. No but one had four. four. The record was three prior to this year.
0: And who had it? Do we even know? Oh, I was assume Bobby Orr. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> 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 Paul Coffey
1: scored fifty. He yeah. never opened the year with a few. It's crazy. So, you know, credit to him, but yeah, first
0: it, star of the week. Does it not give us some indication of how long sometimes you have to need or take before someone can start mastering their craft?
1: For defensemen, like, it, it seems is, to be a thing. For and sure, and he
0: is right in the wheelhouse of two hundred and fifty to three hundred games. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, it's it's a hard. We are in a hard era now to be patient. Yeah. But look at look at look at how this guy's developed.
1: If I may, take, I feel like this is too. also size related. I don't feel like it's common for big talented players to come in and have it figured out right away i understand that owen power looks very good um and and he would be that but like you know quinn hughes can come in and do his like little scatter you know jitterbug thing and be very effective earlier than i think it is for a guy like dalene to kind of get it going i don't know i just feel like for the bigger guys it takes some time
0: to coordinate the old limbs And, and that that blue line all of a sudden is looking really good yeah, I mean, or, that, that
1: D-pair of Darlene and Power, I don't know how many you would take in the league
2: before it.
0: Samuelson but... uh, went down, I think, yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah. Another a... big defenseman there just signed. Awkward like, fall. He
2: like kind of fell backwards on his knee. Was yeah. Pretty. I
0: think he's okay, though. Someone, I think, mentioned to me that he was in the bar after the game, so I think he's okay.
1: <laughs> All right.
2: Good Great. to hear.
0: Sounds like they got a good tight-knit team. Hey, by the way. You guys want to be in a bar late at night? I don't know about it. I'm telling you, you right got now. eyeballs. Oh, I got people. I got eyeballs. <laughs> I was in Jack
1: Astor's on Friday night. Till <laughs> <laughs> I that was,
0: doesn't count. I was
1: out. Uh, I was at a house party till 8 p.m. on Whoa, Saturday night. you
2: bad boy! Oh, I know. Um Paring it up. So, I just Rasmus Dyleen was minus 78 in his first four years in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey,
0: that's just a mental beating uh, more than anything you else. Josh Norris in Ottawa? Didn't look good. Shoulder. Any time a guy comes up that and mad? starts kicking and, yeah. you know, screaming or throwing stuff. You know, it's a month. With one shoulder. You know, it's a month. Um, other news and notes. At least two weeks for Josh Norris.
1: Hope to know more in a couple days or waiting Also, on, okay, on the week's good. schedule, Quinn Hughes has now been kind of downgraded to week to week in his injury. So, way to go Canucks. Um, news notes, Carey Price, no plans to retire. He had a press conference saying as much. Um, do we think this is, yeah, I got to collect my money, you idiots. Of course I'm not retiring. Or is this like, you think you're going to see Kerry Price play in the NHL? Again? I just
0: think, uh, you know, if people are following him around town, it's just calm the waters down. <laughs> yeah. Let me just me alone. say yeah. what I need right. to say. And yes, nobody retires anymore and leaves money. No. I think if you file papers, you walk away from money. Right. I, have. Uh, <laughs> Long term returning to oh, get my paycheck. Uh, and then just some word that maybe uh, for the Leafs angle, uh, maybe Timothy Lilligren and Jordy Ben are getting closer. How close? There is some talk about them maybe even seeing some action with uh, the Marlies. Really? Yeah. That'd be fascinating. Yeah. This, well, listen, they missed training camp, right? You missed yeah, training yeah. camp. Yeah. So uh, once. It would be on a conditioning stint, so you don't have to clear any waivers or anything. Mm-hmm. You just go down there, play a few games, and then uh, get called up. I think it's uh, it's actually a good strategy. That's what the league is there for, for sure.
1: Lilligren's fascinating to me because he's a guy who really started to show in the second half of last year to the point where I changed my tune on him over the course of the year, going, boy, I think there's something here. Didn't uh, get in the last five games of the postseason, but would be interesting to see if he can continue to take that stride and be someone important for the Leafs. He could. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then- Dire need for another right-handed shot. Yep. Do you, do you think we'll see uh, Denny Malligan get into a game in, in California? Hmm.
2: Maybe. If uh, Nick Robertson doesn't get his head up, maybe.
0: Just a li- winning lineup right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, it yeah tough tougher yeah, old don't change a winning lineup fair enough all right it's uh the leafs and the vegas golden knights tonight and we're gonna be back here tomorrow same time same channel good show today yeah a little you heavy some... on vancouver yeah, today well you know they're a bit of a story right now sammy what's up for tonight milk and cookies uh, keep my eyes the open game any, any uh, show today on YouTube with uh, JD?
2: Not on YouTube podcast only, but yeah, we're doing one. So I'll be okay. bright-eyed and bushy-tailed tomorrow morning. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> Have a great show, pal. As always, thanks for listening, everyone. We're back tomorrow. Real Kipper and Born.